0: And we're live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and I'm joined by Seth Wincham. How are you doing this week, Seth? I'm good. All right, me too. A lot better than last week. Hopefully, it's, uh, this episode is going to be a little bit smoother, a little bit more energy. Uh, so let's, uh, let's dive in right away. We'll, we'll start with a, a few Tesla news items. And, uh, and then Seth was just coming back from a uh, first drive of the Volvo C40 Recharge Pure Electric. Uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit later and a few other non-Tesla-related EV news. But let's dive in because there was an, an interesting announcement and for people that have been following Tesla for a long time. Uh, this is uh, should be interesting for you because uh, Elon announced the upcoming um, release soon enough of, well, on Elon's time, of Tesla's Master <laughs> Plan Part 3. So if, if for people who've been following Tesla for a long time, you know that the master plan is a uh, kind of an important piece of literature in the uh, Tesla history. At least it is for me, for sure. So, yep. because the first one, the the original one in 2006 was, I was already interested in that vehicle back then, but I, I just, I, I was trying to figure out like, why are they, it, it's not happening yet. Like because they are such a much more efficient solution to, uh to personal transport. And as I was trying to understand more and more about what was the problem, Elon released this post, which again, the super secret Tesla master plan, which was obviously a public blog post on their website, so not so secret, where he explained Tesla's mission and its plan to achieve that mission. And once I read that, uh, it made it clear to me, all right, Tesla is going to succeed. Tesla is going to uh, be the one to bring electric vehicle to the mainstream to accelerate EV adoption because the plan makes sense to me. Like it, it, the he summarized it at the end with four points: build a sports car, which was the Roadster, use that money to build an affordable car. Affordable, there's going to be an asterisk on that, but use that money to build an even more affordable car. It, 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 yeah, the the second point should have been use that money to build a more affordable car. The third point: use that money to build an even more affordable cars. So the, th- the third point is, is correct. And four: while doing above, also provide zero emission electric power generation options. So back then, that was uh, to his investment in Solar City. But then we're gonna go back to that a little bit later. So Roadster, you know, not a best vehicle program ever. There was a lot of problems with it. Only two thousands were built. They ended up giving up, but it gave them the foundation that they needed to release the. Affordable car, which was the mole S, which wasn't exactly the most affordable car, but they, they they did hit a decent price point. How much did you pay for? it? Because you, you you got one of the rare uh, mole S uh, forty, was it?
1: Yeah, it was an S forty, but they they didn't build any S forties. They just built S sixties and walled off part of the battery. But um, but the, the price, price
0: was still decent back then, right?
1: Yeah, so it was fifty seven four ninety five. And then the $7,500 $7, tax credit brought it down under $50,000. I, of course, got the third row jump seats.
0: Mm-hmm, um, Raised so, the price a bit.
1: Yeah, but I mean, still, $50,000 mm-hmm. for a Model S is pretty good. Especially when you look today at the prices yeah. of the Model 3,
0: basically, which we're going to get to that later. So it wasn't the most affordable car ever. And of course, that version of the Model S40 didn't last long like Seth said, it was actually a 60 that was uh, software locked to 40, so they never really produced any, but they sold some. Um, then they uh, there was the use that money to build an even more affordable car, which was the Model 3, which again had its issue in term of pricing. The 35 thousand dollar price tag was also short lived, but still, it was a Model 3 is undeniably a very successful vehicle program, maybe one of the most successful ever. Until the Model y came about, which the Model y wasn't even in that plan just yet. That's where they were right then. And Elon was also investing at that point in solar cities to provide solar panels uh, in, in order to um, to people to power their cars on sunshine, basically. Then 10 years later, 2016, came the Master Plan Part 2, Part 2 in English. For some reason, he wanted to put the 2 in French in the in the headline.
1: I feel like that was part of uh, a movie. Um
0: Yeah. It, to be.
1: it was like a Leslie Nielsen movie. I can't remember the name of it. Anyway. So that plan was interesting because the 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 second
0: part of the plan came about just as Tesla was acquiring Solar City. So just, that was always sort of in the plan because, like in the first one they were already talking about that now they wanted to integrate solar city into Tesla's Tesla energy. Tesla had already unveiled their own energy division to uh, the release of the power wall and the power pack, and now they wanted to integrate and a big part of that part two plan was to integrate Tesla Energy with Solar city to have um seamless battery uh, own battery pack and solar uh, deployment. But that's just one part of it. Of course, in the summary of that plan, also four point, creating stunning solar roof with seamless integrated battery storage. So that was also around the time that they launched the, the, the solar roof product, um, which would the tiles and the solar panel on the roof. And sp- expand the electric vehicle product line to address all major segments. Develop a self-driving capability that is 10 times safer than manual via massive fleet learning. Enable your car to make money for you when you aren't using it. All right, so where are we at on that plan right now? Uh, Create stunning uh, solar roof with seamless integrated battery storage. That's basically done. Of course, the the deployment of it is not at the level that uh, Tesla has been guiding for a long time, but there's been a ramp up and the ramp up is continuing. And it it looks like even though solar roof is more expensive than originally planned everything, it looks like it's going to be a successful product long-term. I'm pretty confident about that. Uh, expanding the EV lineup in that uh, 2016, they were talking about a, a compact SUV, of course, which ended up being the Model Y, extremely successful. A new kind of pickup truck, which ended up being the Cybertruck, which uh, hasn't reached market yet, but you know, sooner than later, probably next year. A heavy-duty truck, which ended up being the Tesla SMI. Tesla is way behind the program on Tesla SMI, but... Apparently, it's coming whenever they're going to have the actual volume of uh, chips and battery cells to support higher volume production of the electric truck. And there was another thing, though, that this one is, hasn't happened at all yet, is the high passenger density urban transport. Um, never been exactly clear what that could be. Back then, in 2016, Elon was talking about like making a bus out of the Model X platform. That never happened. And uh, there's been a bunch of rumors since the Tesla working with the Boring Company because Tesla already supplies a lot of cars to the Boring Company for the Vegas Loop and future loops that are that are being um, deployed right now. And up for that, for a Boring Company loop, a higher uh, volume, a higher passenger density vehicle would make a lot of sense. Um, Now, I don't don't think that with all the production hell and everything that happened since then, I think that just never became a priority. Just like why the other programs are behind too. Uh, The point number three, developing self-driving capability. Well, if you are to believe, Elon, that's going to come, they're going to reach that goal of 10 times safer, whatever, by the end of the year. Or at least it's going to be safer enough to remove responsibility for the driver where the legislation authorizes it. Of course, that's Elon's timeline, and Elon has been wrong on that timeline several times, so you take it all all, all you wanted. But based on Tesla's own view of the situation, they are getting close to that, so that's why they are uh, starting to look at at part three of the master plan, like an update on the master plan. And the point four, of course, is very much linked to the point three, which you're going to need to have that uh, self-driving capability unlocked in order for your car to earn money for you when you're not using it. Um, which to me, based on the FSD program as it exists right now, still seems a bit far-fetched. I don't see that happening by the end of the year. But I also understand very much that this is accelerating the rate of improvement of the uh, FSD program with more data, with more cars on the road, they unlock it. And now apparently even us in Canada are going to get it uh, next week now. I don't know if I'm going to get it. I'm at 97 <laughs> driving. 97 is good. I it sounds good, I haven't been driving it. <laughs> that was all my friends. <laughs> I'm so nervous to drive it and then I, I get this car down. Uh, but I'm supposed to go to Chez again this, this weekend. So I'm going to put a few hundred kilometers on it. So yeah. that, that uh, Mostly a highway if I don't go too crazy. But that's the thing. I don't like this driving's car at all. Because I like to drive that car like a little I bit know, more aggressive, a little fun. bit more fun. Safely, always. But it's a performance car. It's peppy. It's fun to drive. No, I'm not supposed to take corners too aggressively. I'm not supposed to, uh, whatever. Anyway. Anyway. All right. So now Elon announced that he's working on the master plan part three. Uh, so it should be released relatively soon. What could be in that master plan part three? I mean, we're not, of course, uh, we assume that's going to be an update on the FSD and on the, on all that because that's the unfinished part of the part two. But we, we think it's going to go much further than that. And I think, Seth, you have your own idea. My main point was definitely going to be the Tesla bot or Tesla uh, Optimus now, as it's known, because you don't even announce recently that the priority in terms of product development has shifted to the Tesla bot, which is surprising. But it looks like he's seeing that as a big part of Tesla's future, probably more long-term, obviously. But as they figure out FSD and they figure out um, they become much more efficient at machine learning and neural networks. It makes sense to leverage that into a more versatile product than something that can just drive, which, I mean, <laughs> it sounds uh, uh, like I'm minimizing full self-driving, which obviously I'm not. If they do achieve that, it's it's amazing. But it's just one aspect of, like, it address, it address one issue. Well, a Tesla, a humanoid robot that has significant AI capability would. Would be able to do a ton of things, but you had an interesting point. Something else that could be in the in the master plan part three.
1: Yeah, my my main thing that I'm looking for is the Tesla HVAC system. Um, Elon's made a couple mentions of it in the past, um, and I think that's something that where Tesla fits really well. Um, we had uh, Dandelion Geothermal come out, and we ended up going with air source heat pumps. Um, but these things are pretty amazing when, and especially for climate change and solar panels, it really fits into the whole picture really well, especially for people on oil or, or gas, um, you know, our efficiencies way up on, on our heating and air conditioning. Um, you know, I don't know if this is something for California or not, but, uh, those systems actually pull a lot of water out of the air, you know, as a dehumidifier would. So for me, it's like, I kind of feel like Tesla's seen a little bit of what they can do with HVACs on cars. And they're like, you got some really smart and creative people working. They're like, Hey, we could do this for the house. Um, you know, just a very small, like, you know, setup or whatever. And your whole heating and air conditioning is, is taken care of. Um, and, you know, theoretically they would save you a ton of money. Um, I mentioned the water thing as a possibility with, with water issues. Um, also, Something I was thinking about is um, having kind of like a 400-volt backplane at your home because solar operates at 400 volts. Um, The batteries operate at 400 volts. Uh, DC fast charging for Teslas and other vehicles often operate at 400 volts. So rather than stepping up and down and changing from DC to AC, having a 400-volt DC line in the back that connects your solar your, your hvac your batteries and your car and anything else big uh, makes a lot of sense so that's kind of where my brain is at. is that now
0: no it, ma- it makes a ton of sense to be honest and especially when you consider that tesla already already has and is building a giant workforce of installer to uh, for the power walls and for its solar panels and its solar rooftops uh, some of those skills could transfer to HVAC. Um, I mean, you could add the HVAC experts that train the staff and, and everything to when they deploy solar, they deploy the HVAC system too. And yeah, I mean, this this is a long overdue, I think, this uh, idea of uh, having a, a DC, home DC charger, basically, especially when you combine it with a power wall. And he, Elon Musk talked about that in the past, like combining a power wall with a charger, but it never, it never really materialized into anything. But yeah, can you imagine if Tesla comes out with all right? We have a all-in-one solution right now for your home. We deploy rooftop solar, whether it is with solar panels or solar tiles. We deploy the battery pack with a DC charger or level two charger, whatever, like the a combo of them. And uh, your HVAC system, all included. So you have your own energy uh, generation, your own energy storage, your own distribution system for charging your car and also you have your um, home uh, hair system included in all that like, it makes so much sense and you address a giant percentage of energy consumption uh, making it more efficient and making it powered by solar it just makes a ton of sense yeah um, and, and of course tesla having you put the brand power of tesla behind that uh, and everyone would go for it and it would create a lot more competition in that sector a lot of pressure on competitor to to improve on that front. Also, just that DC power output would combine with Powerwall. You know, the massive Tesla, existing Tesla owner base that would want that. Like Tesla would get 100,000 orders for that in the first day, even if it's going to be, I would assume, quite expensive, um, especially if, if combined with the Powerwall. But Tesla would get a ton of orders for that, I would, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, and it's not only faster DC, but it would, uh, you know, more efficient, way more efficient. So it doesn't have to step down. So you're saving 10 to 15% of your power bill by staying with DC. Absolutely. And then theoretically, you could also, I don't know if Tesla's doing this, but you could also use your Tesla car battery to back up your home as well. So all that kind of fits together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And also, you you connect that to, uh, the electric utilities, if you're not, you don't want to be off grid, you connect to the utilities and you can provide like massive amount of grid services. You connect all of that to Tesla's auto bidder system and you can probably like pay the system's going to pay for itself over its lifetime. It's there's only advantages. It's going to be the upfront costs are going to be important, but over time it's going to be a cost of ownership will, will be worth it, I think. Yeah. All right. Um, Tesla had a significant price increase this week. Uh, Last week, there was a little one. And now this week, there's a big one. (laughs) So across the whole lineup, Elon kind of uh, warned us about that one, saying that he was seeing extreme inflation uh, through uh, both uh, SpaceX and Tesla. So it kind of gave everyone's warning. Okay, these are coming. And of course, 2021 was a giant year for price increases for Tesla and the rest of the industry too. Uh, but uh, Tesla specifically, due to its direct sell model, it's uh, it's a bit different. We, um, it's uh, it's not based on uh, the dealerships uh, uh, setting their own prices. You, you, they are universal across the board. They're, they're not completely universal. They change country by country, and uh, they don't follow each other all the time. Like I saw something about like Germany this week, the Model Three Long Range was the same price as the Model Y Long Range. I'm like, what is what is that about? Like, yeah, it's well, very- I know that the Model Y maybe maybe is the Model Y is coming from. Both the Model y and Model 3 should be coming from from Shanghai, but I'm not so not so sure. Maybe we'll need a Model y and that's why it was cheaper. I don't know. Um, all right, so Model 3, the base one, so the multi 3 rear drive, formerly known as the Standard Range Plus, is Tesla's cheapest vehicle, but it was up $2,000 this week uh, to $47,000. So that's the cheapest Tesla you can order right now. And if you order it, uh, you don't get it until September, I think. So um so those are for new orders. If you already have an order in, your order in is at that price. So this is for a new order being placed. I know this always confuses people a little bit, especially with what happened with Rivian a few weeks ago. The Rivian was reservation rather than orders, So um, not exactly the same, but still. And uh, then you have the Model 3 all-wheel drive. Uh, so the long range, 2,500 more to 54,500. So this one has gone up like, I think, $10,000 over the last 12 months or something like that. Mm, Yeah. Um, The multi performance is $3,000 upgrade to $62,000. A little bit less popular version now, too. Um, The Model Y, the base version, uh, the long-range all-wheel drive is now $63,000 after a $2,000 price increase. $3,000 also for the performance version to $68,000 now. And... I mean these 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 also went up like I think fifteen thousand dollars over the last year a significant price increases, but uh they're still popular. Tesla is still selling them a lot, so uh, there's uh there's a lot of demand for it. So Tesla can spare those prices. Model S and X also saw a big price increase. The Model S now starts at a hundred thousand dollars after a five thousand dollar price increase. Oof. And uh if you want the performance version, that's also five thousand dollar more expensive. At one hundred and thirty-six thousand dollars, well, but I mean the performance is not called plaid. I guess um, the Mole X got a massive price increase, and it, it kind of needed one. It, ma- it didn't make sense with the Mole S pricing, uh, so it's not now start ten thousand dollar more at fi- 115000 dollars for the Burst version. Uh, so th- this one is a little bit surprising because like it's fifteen thousand more than the Mole S e- equivalent. And then you have the uh, plaid version that now starts at uh. uh $139,000, uh, which is for the f- now more expensive than the Plaid version for the Fulhamol S, which made no sense before. Uh, now it makes a little bit more sense. Maybe a little bit more, but at the same time, it's uh, what's the difference? So the difference in pricing is $3,000 for the Plaid version of each vehicle and $15,000 for the long range all-wheel drive version. That's, that's where it gets weird, right?
1: Yep. So a couple of observations. We talked earlier about the original Model S pricing was fifty thousand dollars. It's now double. Uh you know, starting price. Obviously, this Model S is a much better car than the much ones better, from yeah. twenty twelve. Um also uh people are still asking about the twelve thousand dollar, sorry, the twenty five thousand dollar uh Tesla, uh, you know, Model B or whatever people are calling it. Uh, I don't think that's going to ever happen. Like, uh, the $35,000 Tesla is now 47,000. So I don't, I don't know that there's ever going to be a $25,000 Tesla. Um, it just, you know, maybe there'll be a 35, $35,000 Tesla that, you know, was the one that they were thinking about, like the the hatchback or whatever, but I don't think they'll ever be able to price it down to $25,000. Certainly not with the recent price increases,
0: exactly. And if you go back to the Master Plan Part Two, he not even mentions that. He mentioned, I don't think we're gonna need a vehicle cheaper than the Model Three to uh, to to get where we we need to be in terms of EV adoption. However, he said that back when the Model Three was supposed to start at thirty five thousand dollars, or was was getting towards that. Um, now it started at forty seven thousand dollars, so that's different. So, like you said, maybe a new car that's thirty five thousand dollars would make sense. But the twenty five thousand dollar Tesla with no steering wheel or whatever, I don't see that happening either. Again, to Elon's point, I don't think they need it either. Uh, I think the price uh, of vehicles have just gone up, and with full self driving, which again I'm not on Elon's timeline, but I do think they're gonna achieve it at some point. I think that changes the game completely in terms of caution ownership because it's already like people already, already think like, oh, I need. Like I, I'm never gonna be able to afford an electric car because I cannot even afford a thirty thousand dollar car. Well, you like like the rest of the most people in the world. You probably can't afford a new car, period, whether it's electric or not. Most people don't have the budget for that, and, and that's okay. Um, and the ownership model is is changing anyway. Like there's a lot of pe- places where like Uber is super cheap, for example, and it just makes sense for people to just use Uber when they need to use public transport. Can you imagine when full self driving happens, like how that changed the cost per mile of transportation? Maybe you'll never own a car again. Some people still will, I think. Like, of course, set your theory of uh, I don't want other people farting in my car.
1: That holds it, up for it's a lot the of people. Classic. Yeah. Yes. All
0: right. Uh, but yeah, I mean the the MOL X giant price increase, but uh, I I think I think Tesla just can afford it on the mole X because I think they have a massive backlog for it. I keep I keep hearing that. I, what I just don't want to happen, and I hope it doesn't happen, because I've seen Tesla do that before. There's a lot of people waiting for the Model X right now that placed the order over a year ago, where it the, the, where it the, was much cheaper, and Tesla still hold them hold hose them a car at that price. And now, if someone plays like right now, if, if you it says if you place a Model X order at 115 thousand dollars, you're gonna get it in January of 2023. But I kind of have a suspicion that. Tesla might you can you can place your order right now at this price, and you might skip a few people in line because Tesla will prefer delivering that car with uh, thirty thousand dollars in profit rather than five thousand dollars in profit. If you know what I mean,
1: right? And if you add FSD, that's coming like next week. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> that too, <laughs>
0: that too. All right, uh, we got some registration number for the EVs in the U.S. Uh, for the whole year of twenty twenty one. Tesla lost some market share, but not much, to be honest. Uh, so if you remember in, in the 2020, Tesla had 79% of new electric vehicles registered in the US. Uh, so 79% market share. It dropped to 70% market share, 69.95, uh, which honestly is surprisingly good because we knew that Tesla's market share in the US would degrade a little bit over time with new EVs coming in. But I thought it would be faster than that but 2021 wasn't that year obviously everyone had some supply limitation and everything but tesla had those too they were just better at overcoming them uh, so if you look at it here this is this is significant 69.95% of new electric vehicle registered in the country were tesla you dropped to 8.51 for the second best at, with nissan chevy at 7.5 of course chevy also had a tough year in 2021 with the uh, bolt ev bolt uv and the recall and everything Ford and Volkswagen at two percent each. So Ford and Volkswagen are the one that I'm more optimistic for this year that they, they should gain quite a few percentage point. Uh, Ford is delivering right now the Mac key, which is not as high volume as we we hoped it to be, but still decent volumes. Uh, but the F150 Lightning is going to start delivering this quarter. Not going to uh, not this quarter, but next quarter. I think um, not going to be the massive. Uh, deliveries this year, but still a decent enough to increase. Then Volkswagen's gonna uh, ride the momentum of the ID. Four, and then uh, of course ID Buzz is not coming this year yet. So, but there's a f- quite a f- more version of the ID. Four. I think is gonna be enough to significantly increase output, uh, especially since they're supposed to start production soon at uh, in Chattanooga. And then Hyundai also has an opportunity to increase uh, Ionic Five, but the all- allocation are not great either um audi has a few more vehicle or uh, options on uh, available too but we should start seeing a few ramp up of course lucid and rivian whereas zero point zero uh, one and zero point zero five uh that should go up a little bit too um but i won't it won't take much market share from tesla i think because tesla is also expanding in the u.s with uh Gigafactory Texas and Fremont is also apparently growing in, in capacity. Some of those are going to be for exports of course, but I think that's is still going to grow in the US, especially from what we have been hearing in the last few weeks uh, after the gas price increases, I've been hearing Tesla is, is having like record order surges in the US. And I don't know about Shoeset, but as as the local like EV guy in my in my community and my friend and family, yep. You always get every now and again. Get people reaching out like, "Hey, Fred, like, what do you think?" um, Thinking about going electric for my next car, and blah blah blah. Like, what you uh, asking for advice? Uh, Every now and again, I get the I get those all the time. But over the last two weeks, record number of people like people reaching out that I haven't talked to since high school are reaching out. Hey, I I know that you're a big EV guy. Like, I I need I need to to go electric. And every time is the same thing. Like, people just are done with the gas price increases. Uh, I think I think it's a might be a big moment in in the electric vehicle uh, shift in in, in adoption it, it's not going to change any like the production we're already so production constrained with the EV that it's not going to change the numbers in the short term at all but I think I think there's a mindset shift that is accelerating right now thanks to those gas price increases are you seeing something similar
1: yep uh, a lot of people asking um and you know what the gas prices are already coming back down but I think people are just like they l- don't want it the, again. Yeah, they don't. They don't want to be beholden to these companies. And most of the gas price changes. I mean, no gas stopped flowing. It it just wasn't allowed in one place, and it just went somewhere else. But really, it just the the gas companies taking a lot of profits. And you know, theoretically, demand goes down when uh, when prices go up. But you know, you know, as for Tesla, you know, backing out a little bit. As for Tesla's market share. They can't like their only constraint is how many cars they can make, and I I think that's going to be true for the rest of the year. Like, uh you know, you just saw like the Model Y, sorry, the Model X. If you order one right now, it's not coming until next year. Um, it like they just can't make enough cars, mm-hmm. and that's kind of true the world over. Like, as soon as Texas ramps up, they're going to be full th- and. And as soon as Berlin ramps up, they're going to be, there's, there's just, they can't make enough cars. They, they might want to start thinking about more factories at this point.
0: Yeah. And apparently that's going to, what's going to happen by the end of the year. You know, as I already said, that they're going to probably announce a, a new location by the end of the year. But yeah, you can look at this. This this was an interesting chart. it give you the registration rate of of electric. I think it includes hybrids too, uh, by, um, uh, by state. And you see, like that, that's that's the thing, and that's interesting. Is like how abysmal in most of the states the adoption rate is. Aside from California, maybe it's thirty five, but even then, like thirty five, it's it's not that high. Like you have Norway at at like seventy <laughs> uh, plus percent of a uh, EV adoption, and ninety if you account for uh, hybrids. Um, so, other of course, a lot of these markets are much smaller, but still, like Colorado, it's a decent sized market. Texas at 6%, 6% decent-sized market. Florida, 8%. New York, 4.6%. Like this this should be way higher here. Um, so there's tons of room to grow in the US. Tons of room to grow, not just for Tesla, but a lot of other automakers too. It just it needs to happen. It needs to happen soon. All right, moving on. Uh, oh, yeah, that, that's what I thought. The thing is, for some new people to EVs, like the range anxiety is always... One of the biggest concern, and they want they want more range. They want like a 600 mile range vehicle and whatnot. And um, I'm not against 600 mile range vehicles. Like I think they would be cool, but I don't think it's what you really need to accelerate EV adoption. Just take take it for someone who's been driving electric vehicles for a long time now. I think accurate range prediction is way more important to range anxiety than actually having more range. Just because it's it's not as practical. There is exception, of course, in the cold north. <laughs> when it gets really cold, it's nice to have a bit more range because the, range, the efficiency does go down a lot. But still then, I would prefer to have my range go down 40%, but that you can predict that range drop better than having 40% more range for the most part because you're going to have to pay for that more range anyway because you're going to have to have a bigger battery pack. And most of the time, that makes your car less efficient when you're not driving those long distances. So... The range prediction calculation is very important. Tesla has been good at that, not great. The main improvement throughout the years, uh, we reported back uh, in 2018 when they added some environmental factors uh, like elevation change and weather to take into account the uh, range calculation, the the trip energy calculation. But uh, now, thanks to uh, Green, the only uh, famous uh, Tesla hacker, the, uh, he looked into the new update that started pushing out this week, the 2022.8.2, which had a few uh, UI changes, better charging calculation, preconditioning update, nothing nothing major really. Uh, but under the hood, which uh, Green has access to when he um, looked into the updates, he found something more interesting where Tesla is now accounting for crosswinds, headwinds, hair density, and humidity in the energy consumption calculation. When the data is available, it didn't know that that might be China only for now, which is often the case. But eventually, it makes it to all other markets. So th- that doesn't sound like much, like crosswind, headwinds, air density, humidity, but it does affect a few percentage points, and a few percentage points can make hold the whole difference. So what I'm talking about here for for people that already have an EV is when when you put your destination on the uh, navigation and Tesla tell you, oh, you're gonna get, you're gonna arrive at your destination with 20 percent. Uh, charge uh, in your battery, or sometimes it includes like a charging stop and how long you get out of charge of the stuff and everything. As you drive, right, you start driving. Most of the time, that twenty percentage starts going down, which is, which means that Tesla like miscalculated how much energy it's gonna take you to get there because either like uh, whether you're driving faster, whether like conditions have changed or whatever, it goes down. Getting more accurate on that and, and knowing exactly when you get there will remove range anxiety because I'm, I know I've been t- there's been time where I've drive the speed limit and everything and it tells me like I'm going to have 15% battery when I get somewhere and then it starts going down and I'm halfway through my trip and now it says I'm going to have 7% batteries there. And as I get closer, oh, you're going to have 4% battery. Like you start getting more nervous on that front. Um, if you don't get that, if you get r- clear um, calculation at first, Accurate one that you can follow through. Then you're fine because you, you'll plan your charging stop in consequence and whatnot. So this could be an interesting update, something to keep an eye on in the coming months uh, once it uh, propagates throughout the fleet. All right, a little update on full self-driving beta. That was a, an interesting story that came out of CNBC this week uh, about a Mr. a Mister John Bernal. Better known as AI Addict on YouTube, we uh, we've used some of his videos uh, a few times. He's been uh, one of the early people on the beta on the FSD beta, so we use his videos to uh, keep track on the uh, of the progress on the beta. And uh, what we didn't know is that AI Addict, we we now know as John Bernall, was a Tesla employee uh, prior to the FSD beta. He was a annotation expert and. Uh, then he started his youtube channel sharing videos of the fsd beta which doesn't sound like a good idea like to nope. start a whole a whole youtube channel about a product reviewing a product that your employer makes doesn't like Common sense tells you, why well, you shouldn't be doing that. But when you think about it at the same time, like, what's so wrong about it? There's nothing like that. Like, it's, it's not really wrong about it. It was giving an honest review of his experience with the FSD. Um, but then what happened last month, we reported on one of his video that came out where uh, it had basically what was the first crash on FSD beta confirmed caught on video uh, where the car crashed into um, a pole that was demarking the... Uh, uh, bike lane and, and and the road and of course the driver is always responsible so it's not technically FSD that's responsible for the crash You're always supposed to keep it but if you look at the video like the guy was paying attention he just uh, it feels like he trusted the system a little bit too much to correct itself in time right. but the, the the FSD really like swung right into the pole though like there wasn't really a lot of time to react he um, you, you had his hands on the wheel and everything he just he let it go a little bit too far before reacting, and he did react a little bit but not enough to uh, uh go around the pole which um uh, to be fair just made some um paint uh scratches and whatnot,
1: so nothing too crazy yeah but it was it was a soft like target it wasn't like a uh, i think
0: it was pretty hard no i think it was hard though i think it was, was it really hard, a really pole. Hard. yeah well I think it was a hard pole.
1: Because it looked like uh, one of those construction cone kind of things.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, right. I know there's some that you can like literally run over and they, they just like flop back on. Right. Uh, but I think he he bumped into that one and it was uh, pretty significant. Yeah, there was some damage. Yeah, there was some pain damage at the very least. Anyway, uh, he posted that video and uh, a few weeks later, he got fired from Tesla. Now, Tesla didn't give him an actual reason, telling that that was the reason behind it, but he said a few weeks. Before getting fired, he was told by his manager not to post anything on his video that could be negative toward Tesla and then he, there was a meeting with the uh, other uh, supervisor at Tesla where the uh, they, they also weren't happy about uh, his posting of those videos. So the timing is oh, we cannot say that it was fired because of that, but the timing shows that it was fired pretty soon after posting that video uh for but for the most part he was pretty uh positive about the FSD beta And now what happened to the, is he, he got right before getting fired his role changed to uh from a detonation specialist to advanced driver assistance system test operator so that could be a reason that Tesla could use to fire him because if he didn't want to give up his YouTube channel as being an advanced driver system test operator he was basically doing the same thing on the YouTube channel. like it, That was his job, what he was doing. So right. He, like, he's kind of literally posting videos of his job. Um, so, so I don't know. Maybe Tesla is using that as an excuse to fire him. But either way, it doesn't look good. Um, then what happened after he got fired, Tesla also terminated his uh, FSD beta access. Even though he didn't have any strikes against him in the beta. So you can get safety strike, and Tesla then uh, remove your access after some safety safety strike to your account, even after the crash itself. So I mean, Tesla could probably use that as like, oh, you, like, this is why we're removing it. You weren't being safe in it. Though, like I said, like you you could argue whether it was being safe or not. I, I, personally, I think he was a little bit too complacent with the system, but he was ready to take control. He just not reaction time wasn't enough. Also, th- there's a problem with people like doing the drive like that on FSD and they film themselves at the same time and they talk to the video, like to the people listening. I think I think that, that removes some of the attention when you're you're you know you're producing content at the same time. If you know what I mean.
1: Right. And theoretically, like I I don't want to put thoughts into his mind, but if he got into a crash, he probably knew he was going to have a very popular YouTube video. And that you know it's kind of rewarding him for
0: are you uh, are you saying that YouTubers with FSD Beta are uh, incentivized to get into crashes?
1: I don't know. I uh I think I would probably imagine that that video got passed around a lot more than had he not gotten a crash. Oh yeah, for sure. It was
0: one of his most popular videos. We got like 200,000 hits or something.
1: So, I don't know. Yeah. It it it's I mean, it's just dumb. Like, you know, it's not dumb. It's just he knew what the stakes were, I think that he probably shouldn't be doing that, um, but you know he he gave it a shot, and now he's I, I guess going to continue doing what he did with somebody else's car or something.
0: Yeah, because that's the thing they remove access to the FSD beta. But again, like that's like I can always have a, an excuse for it here because uh, Bernal bought his Model Three back when I think there's somebody still have that program. I'm not so sure, but we reported on it back then. We just had this program where if for employees that bought a car, they could give you some uh, options for free. At one point, it was like a premium interior when that was a thing. And at the other point, it was the FSD. And back when Bernal bought his car, it was an $8,000 feature that we'd get for free, uh, though he had to provide feedback on it. So that's what he was doing. So maybe like since he was fired because of it, so I was like, well, we're going to take that back since you didn't comply to your side of the of the deal. I don't know. I guess speculating from the little facts that we know. And this whole thing, we only have Bernal's side of it because, of course, Tesla's not commenting on it. And I, even if they had the PR department to comment on it, normally they don't comment much on people being fired and whatnot. All right, Seth, you're just coming back from your Volvo C40 Recharge. Dumbest name ever. Review.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I commented on the, the name not being fantastic, but uh, Volvo was super nice. They flew us out to um, Palm Springs, put us in a nice hotel. Uh, when I say us, I mean me. Um, and uh, they were super helpful in getting us around. They also let us, on the first day, drive the XC60 uh, plug-in hybrid, which also recently got an up- update. To we'll talk about that first. Um, it went from like 18 or 19 miles of range to 35, so almost double. And then um, the the power almost doubled as well. So it went from like ninety kilowatts to uh, like one hundred fifty kilowatts, one hundred sixty. So what was something that we probably wouldn't cover? Uh, we you know tend to cover high plug-in hybrids that can operate as electric vehicles and you know do a full day's commute. Uh, last year, I don't think their their vehicle would do that. This year, with thirty-five miles of range and over 150 kilowatts of power um you're talking about like a chevy bolt type of power uh it made sense to cover and um you know that was a very nice car i kind of wish uh it was they had a full bev version i'm sure they're going to have one shortly a volvo plans to be all uh bev by 2030 Anyway, um, a car that more more people are probably interested in is, is the C40, which is kind of like the XC40, but, um, instead of having a SUV squared back, this thing has a kind of a, a sport back, um, which means a little bit less room in the back, uh, for back seats for heads and also storage in the back, but not much. It's, it's, it's almost the same. Um, I think it's a great looking car. Uh, it, it is quite fast so each uh motor is 150 kilowatts so a little over 200 horsepower so total uh over 400 horsepower which for a small uh suv type thing is a lot of speed um a lot of power uh strangely that the volvo folks didn't have us go off-road with it or they didn't have us using charging stations at all either which I, I don't get, like, this is part of the important thing for our readers to know about, like, going off-road or, or um, you know, what, what is charging like. So, you know, I, I spent a little free time, and I went um, to Joshua Tree, which is not too far from Palm Springs, and uh, took it off-road, and uh, it was a beast. It, it flew, uh, the suspension was great um and you know all wheel drive just uh kind of made for going off road um so there's tons of other great things it's a Volvo it it handles great um it you know does well like going up mountain roads even compared to like um you know other sport luxury cars the big problem though is the range and and the range is 226 miles um, on a 75 kilowatt hour battery, which for me, like, I just don't understand. Like, I don't understand how a Tesla with the same battery can go over a hundred miles more. Um, you know, electric motors are really efficient, like over 90% efficient. Um, like I just don't, I don't get it. Like where, where is all the the loss of energy? And, you know, obviously it's a bigger vehicle it's taller um it's probably less wind resistance the tires are much bigger but it's, it still doesn't make any sense on why uh it doesn't get you know 250 let's say or or 275 um miles like um the hyundai ionic or the the port mustang mustang has a little bit bigger battery um so i asked around i i asked the pr reps and they they kind of just said you know look most people don't drive 226 miles in a week, let alone a day. Uh, this is a great vehicle for a lot of people, and I agree. But I just, I, the whole time it was just bothering me. Like I, I just didn't get it, and nobody had the answer for me. Well, so, you,
0: you see the efficiency here, 87 combined,
1: yeah, versus
0: the 122 for the Model Y. It's completely different. And then even uh, compared to the Ionic and the Mustang, 98. So a good 11 point difference. So I get their point of Volvo, it makes sense, but what about the charging? Because if you do have fast charging to compensate for the longer the shorter range uh for a road trip situation, that can work. But what was your experience so, here?
1: I took it to do two different charging stations. Unfortunately, the EVGo was only a 50 kilowatt one, so it really wouldn't yeah. show me anything. But I took it to an electrify America. Um, I'll probably upload some more pictures later. And it was at the time it was about 50% of charge and I it was getting like 90 kilowatts, which is something similar to what I'll get um, on a Tesla, maybe a little lower. Um, I think the charging curve isn't great on it, but it's not horrible. I think uh, it, it tops out at 150 kilowatts, um, you know, at, at like 20%. So it does charge fast. But the problem is, is like, if you're talking about miles per minute of charge, because the range is so low and it's so efficient, inefficient, you're still getting kind of a slow charge because, uh, you know, like a, a Tesla, for instance, if you're putting on 10 kilowatts, you're getting a whole lot more miles than if you put 10 kilowatt hours into a, uh, a Volvo. Yeah. So that's kind of like the two big things. I mean, other than that, like the car drove amazingly. It was super comfortable, super you know, like everything was just fluid. It had a little fronk, there's some room in the back. I could lay in the back a little diagonally. I'm about six foot. The back seats weren't cramped or anything. There's like a, a thousand different good things about it, but this one one bad thing about it is I think gonna throw a lot of people off. You know, if you're if you're looking at buying, you know, a SUV an electric SUV, and the Tesla Model S is advertising 330 miles, and this thing's advertising 226 miles of range on the same battery pack, relatively the same price. It's it's hard. It's hard to say, oh, you know, I don't need those 100 miles. Well,
0: relatively like, the same price. Is that price correct? This is $58,000 on R- MSRP? Right. Well, because that price is not good anymore. <laughs> That's, right. That was is because it's still like... uh $4,000 difference, and you still get the $7,500 tax rebate to an Volvo, right?
1: Right. So, yeah, and
0: it's, it's it's a lot cheaper. Yeah.
1: But, you know, overall, I have to say, like, it was a great car. Uh, I had tons of fun with it, especially off roading. And, and one other thing that's important is that um, I drove it to um, Joshua Tree, which is about an hour outside of Palm Springs. And the drive I went, like 75 miles per hour. I had the air conditioning blasting because it's, you know, the desert. And I actually gained range. So when I started, it said I was going to arrive with 44% of range. And when I got there, I it said I had 46% of range. So I I think probably Volvo is being crazy conservative with uh, their their estimates. But I think like this is the game that's being played. Like everybody's out there, you know, embellishing. Well, not everybody, but Mm, especially Tesla, (laughs) Tesla is for sure. And maybe Hyundai is, I don't know. Um, so you gotta, like, you kind of have to put your best foot forward there. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, we've talked to people, I've talked to people that are very interested in this car. And, and when they say, well, what about, why is it only 200 or yeah, 226 miles versus 330 on a Tesla? you know, it's hard to, it's hard to like say, well, you know, no big deal because it is a big deal.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't mind, like if the EPA cycle is the EPA cycle and you're not gaming the system, you're just like, it's optimized. You get a good range on the EPA cycle, advertise that range so that like people will actually buy your car compared to other. Once you're in the car and, the system does your range calculation for you, which should be different than the EPA because it's based on your driving's profile, where you're driving specifically. Especially now with Tesla, if they are accounting for all of their de- all of their environmental factors, that's what needs to be accurate to address your range anxiety. Um, look, if 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 you can advertise range based on the EPA cycle, advertise the range based on the EPA cycle. Don't don't cut yourself short there because uh, you're gonna disappoint the customers or whatever. If the range is accurate inside the car, you're not going to disappoint anyone. Uh, it's just a problem. But you, you, like you said, <laughs> if, if you see that and you've seen them a little wide, different range, you're like, yeah it, it factors into buying the car. All right. We have two more news items to discuss, and then we're going to jump into the comment section and your questions. So if you have any question, make sure to put them in the comments right now. And if you can put them in all caps or have question in all caps before the question, that would be super helpful for us to... Uh, to get to them easier. All right. Uh, the uh, Monterey sticker, I think it's called, but uh, the window sticker, basically with the EPA range confirmed for the F-150 is leaked this week. For the F-150 Lightning base version, the one with the standard battery pack, so the one that starts at $40,000, uh, Show us a few more details about the, the, the vehicle here. So it does get the estimated EPA range as predicted of 230 miles. In terms of efficiency, it gets a 68 MPG, uh, 76 for the city, 61 for the highway. So how does that compare with the only other pickup truck available on the market right now, the Rivian R1T? Uh, the R1T gets 70 MPG. So that's, uh, that's a little bit, the F-150 Lightning is a little bit less efficient. Uh, and you, you compare it to uh, uh, the on on the F one hundred and fifty is a little bit more efficient on uh, city driving, at seventy six versus seventy four for the R one T, but on the highway it's much less efficient than the R one T at sixty eight versus uh, sixty one versus sixty eight. So that's what's interesting about that. Really, is the um, so the F one hundred and fifty is a longer truck a little bit. It's about think 10 inches more wheelbase, about maybe a foot longer. But otherwise, it's the same shape in terms of width and height. It's about the same as the R1T. It's just a little bit longer. So that might explain why it's less efficient. However, it, I don't think it should compensate for the fact that the R1T is a much bigger battery pack in a longer range so than then, then the standard version of the, of, uh, uh, of the F-150, obviously, because there's going to be a larger battery pack being available. But uh, just to keep in mind, though, like that smaller battery pack with 230 miles of range, that's from $40,000 configuration up to $74,000 configuration. Ford makes you add a lot of options to get the bigger battery pack. So something to keep in mind. But the R1T gets 314 miles of range. So 80 miles more range than the um, F-150 because it has a much bigger battery pack. So... AV or battery pack, and yet it's more efficient, again, with a foot shorter for the R1T, but still, uh, I, think, I think that's a win for Rivian uh, for now. But again, still, though, <laughs> you have to also compare it to all other all other pickup trucks out there and 68 miles per gallon equivalent is not nowhere near anything that's on the market right now. So if your goal is to cut gas consumption, then that's, that's good for you. What do we have here? We have a BMW electric ad. That's nice. That's the INEX. No, the no, yeah. Where? All right. So, of course, uh, F-150 Lightning production should start uh, fairly soon and deliveries later this year. Then Audi had the uh, unveiling this week, the Audi A6 Avent e-tron. Uh, so it's a new station wagon concept, electric station wagon, uh, they uh, the kind of uh, nickname nicknamed nickname the vehicle the storage champ. It also has those metric headlights that can project video games. We know that Audi has been talking, uh, not just Audi, but Volkswagen in general too, has been talking about video games inside their car a lot lately. Uh, trying to compete with Tesla on that front. Uh, it's been a big uh, focus for Tesla. Uh, now, for some reason, I cannot... I don't screw. know if you remember,
1: but um the Mercedes uh, EQS had Snake. In there, uh, that's <laughs> yeah. well, yeah, where but, they're at.
0: Well, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Mercedes I also remember they also said that they're gonna put a lot more focus on uh, the experience inside the car, especially since they have a two level three system now that's been approved. So, and they literally say that you can get go to sleep or uh read your emails or whatever for short periods of time while the car takes over. So. Maybe uh, video games inside the the car, too, is going to be part of that. But yeah, uh, station station wagon. Uh, it's still just a concept, though. It's not a vehicle that's uh, planned production just yet. But uh, there's no electric station wagon really available right now. So that's uh, Audi. If they move uh, relatively quick on this, they could uh, be first on market. But that's a good-looking car right there. Yep. Of course, uh, oversized, oversized wheels always look good. And it's not necessarily going to make it to production.
1: Cadillac, know, did, uh, Cadillac has the uh, Celestique, that uh, station wagon that we. Oh yeah, need.
0: I guess yeah. yeah. And the, the lyric, the lyric is considered an SUV, but it also like it's uh, s- you know if you make an SUV sleek looking enough, it kind of looks like a station wagon, basically. Right. Or you yeah. make a station wagon just a little bit higher up on the suspension, and it looks like an SUV. So.
1: Yeah, it's an all, uh, all gray area. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. You want to get, you know, you call everything a crossover, and then you're fine. Uh, in terms of powertrain, uh, they, they are going to use the, if, when it actually turns into an actual production car, it's going to use the uh, premium platform electric, the PPE that Audi is developing with uh, Porsche, and uh, that uses an 800-volt system, 22-kilowatt uh, onboard charger. That's nice, 270-kilowatt 270, 270, uh, fast charging, which uh, 800 volts uh, enables. Uh, five to 80 percent charge in under 25 minutes with that of course you need is that
1: uh, is that four motors
0: uh how many motors um
1: this ppe i think has a capability to do four motors yeah
0: talking about 700 kilometers 250 two motors uh two motors with 350 total capacity they're hmm. talking about a range of uh, 700 kilometers 435 miles but that's the wltp so Probably closer to three fifty in the real world, which is still very good. Zero to sixteen under four seconds, also very good. All right, that's the. No, that's the introduction again. I thought they they were showing the headlight, the headlight projector. But I guess not. Oh, maybe they're gonna show it in that video. I didn't watch that video actually. Very sleek looking for sure. There, there are the matrix headlights.
1: It's a big car.
0: Okay, they talked about it.
1: Seeing a human there.
0: Well, that doesn't make for a good podcast. eh? (laughs) Anyway, all right, let's uh, jump into the comments and the questions.
1: All right, let me scroll up a little bit here. All right, Peter Moraine says, "What is your current prediction for the percent of new car sales in 2030 that will be BEV? Wild speculation encouraged. I would say 90, 80 to 90,
0: 80 to 90. Here's the thing: once you get to 80 and 90. The other percentage is like it goes down fast because you don't want to be in that 10 to a, to a, right. 20%. So you create a very weird scenario. I know it's not going to be hundreds. I know there's always going to be some people, well, at least not always, but for a long time, it's going to be some people that's going to hold out. Uh, but those people are going to seem crazier by the day, of it, mm-hmm. which sounds mean, but... Like, you know, it's going to be the same people that are holding on to their horses for, 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 uh, transportation when everyone was like, yeah, look at this thing is much, makes much more sense, much faster, uh, less maintenance. So, of course, maintenance, that's different use for word for a horse, but you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think it might be closer to like, yeah, 90, 95, I'd say.
1: All right. Uh, moving on. How about the Tesla semi trucks? You talked a little bit about them. I think that was part of the Master Plan Part Two.
0: Yeah, maybe more about them on the Master Plan Part Three. That would be that would be nice. That would be welcome. I think by uh, Tesla community, Tesla shareholders. But yeah, not not much on that front. Uh, Elon kind of hinted that it uh, won't, won't be a focus right now. On in 2022, the focus is very much on Model 3 and Model Y ramp up um, because of limitation in chip supply.
1: All right, a LinkedIn user says, "Any perspective." of price drop for the EVs uh, right now. I don't think there's going to be a price drop. Huh? Not in I mean, the short term, not in mid term,
0: probably. Um, no, uh, the trend is obviously prices going up right now.
1: And uh, yeah, I mean, you have two things, you have more demand than supply and you have inflation and those, both of those things don't seem like there's an end in sight.
0: Yeah, not in so, the short term, at least. So.
1: so I don't see how a new new one comes. Uh, all right. Uh, Stephen Young, any thoughts on if Tesla will transition to an LFP chemistry instead of uh, NMC with the increase in nickel prices in their new plan?
0: Okay, in their new plan. So I assume that he already, he's already aware Tesla has LFP in the standard range, Model 3. Um, so here's the thing. Uh so I assume that the new plan means like more other vehicles are going to move, more vehicles are going to be moved to LFP uh, rather than MC. I, I, don't, I don't know if you can do that. Like I I think there's definitely room for LFP to expand a little bit in Tesla's lineup, uh, especially now we, we've been hearing with uh, the new Model Y that was uh, put on the uh, EPA list I guess we didn't talk about that. I forgot. We didn't talk. We should have talked about that. But a new Model Y showed up on the EPA list. And uh, also Green got some information from the software that uh, uh, Tesla might be launching a standard range or standard range plus, I guess, Model Y. And that might be the first vehicle that's going to come out of Gigafactory Texas. But that that wouldn't make much sense to me because you would think that Tesla, Tesla would have to sell that new model. Have, People would need to place an order for that new model, which yeah, no one has done yet. So, so I would think that Tesla would rather uh, try to try, try to move to to work to its existing backlog with with Model Y at the offer to the Texas. But if the, if it's going to have different specs anyway, might as well do that. Might as well offer people the change the the, the opportunity to change too. And also with limitation, with 4680 cells, which is going to be the one in the new Model Y in uh in texas you offering a a standard range version enables you to deliver more cars with fewer batteries so that could make sense on that front um but we don't know what kind of chemistry is going to be in that cell just yet if it's a standard range it would make sense to make lfp cells out of those but i think uh a a nickel based chemistry is always going to have a place in the market right now just because you can make them so much higher energy densities uh, so for the higher-hand models, for for trucks, uh, especially for the pickup trucks, I think most, if not all pickup trucks, are going to have nickel-based chemistries because you need that higher energy density to compensate, especially if you want it to be a work truck and to pull uh, to, to, to pull a trailer or to have some load in the, in the bed. You're going to want to have that truck as efficient as possible, and you need a high-energy d- density battery to do that. Um, so, yeah. I think in the long term, but there's going to be a mix. It's going to be a balance to, to, to it all. And yes, I think an FP is going to have room to to grow a lot, um, especially like with uh, buses, for example. Like buses make a lot of sense because you don't need necessarily that much range for them, um, and they have a lot of space for batteries, so that's good. Uh, but everything and also like the the load of a bus is much more predictable and not as high because you're basically just transporting human and some luggage. Uh, a a semi truck. Or a pickup truck, you can be pulling a lot of weight comparatively to the actual uh, size and, and weight of the tractor or or, or the or the pickup. So, um, yeah, I think for that you need a high density, high energy density cell, and you need nickel for that. And yes, like you mentioned, the prices are going crazy right now, uh, but uh, I think it's gonna stabilize. And and if it's stabilized at these level, it's not too bad. It, it, I'm, I'm okay with them stabilizing at this level because, yes, it's going to increase the price a little bit of the, the cars that I have in chemistries, but it's going to unlock a lot of financings for new production, which over long term is going to be good for EV adoption because you need more production of those minerals right now. And um, then at that point, maybe the, the price is stabilized a little bit lower and uh, you can have a better balance of supply and demand for it.
1: All right. Moving forward, uh, any chance that Tesla makes a four hundred mile Model Y? If yes, what would be the timeline?
0: Doesn't sound like uh, like it. Uh, yeah. Sounds like Tesla is going to reserve that range for Model S, and I mean Model X is probably not as efficient. Maybe eventually Model X is going to be efficient enough to to, to achieve that, but uh, looks like Tesla is going to keep that for the higher end version of the vehicles. Uh, I don't see it happening for a while.
1: Those people who like six hour, uh, going six hours without eating or going to the bathroom—that's bad news. They're-
0: yeah, well, of course, there's always the argument. All oh, right, I live in the in the colder climate, and then the in the the winter, that's that's like 250 miles of range. I'm like, okay, right. But even then, like you said, 250 miles of range—that's like three, four hours of driving. That not a lot of people doing one shot.
1: Yeah. All right. And, but those, those people who do that in one shot are very loud and adamant. The <laughs> yes, they are. All right. Even uh, if they do it just once a year or two. Right. Exactly. Or once ever. All right. Who, what is the mod- M- made in Texas model? Why waiting on? Oh, that's made in Texas. Is that good on you. Said did he, I don't know. You I read ahead. That. I read ahead. Yeah. Um, okay.
0: Uh, what is it waiting on i would assume uh, regulatory approval from uh, the epa and uh, and uh, the nitsa and, and all that uh, which i think it's coming very soon like they were aiming deliveries by the end of the month uh, if it slips i would assume that it slips just by a few weeks uh, through next month uh, but uh, it looks likely that's going to happen quite soon
1: but they're producing cars like the lines yeah. are up so yeah just a matter of Getting the paperwork done or whatever. Uh Road Ballard, I think, is what uh it's called what the Tesla hit. Full self driving. Uh can't wait for Model 3 Deets. Yep, that'll be interesting. No, that's uh Master Plan three, I think. No? Oh yeah, Master Plan three, you're right. I got that one, I got that icon in. Yep. Uh any new battery breakthroughs on the horizon? Just every day. Yeah. Just every day. No, I mean I think the big, uh, so the big thing is it's going to be solid state, right?
0: Yeah, solid state is coming. It's not. It's not like uh, f- too far fetched that to think that by the end of this decade we're going to solid state is going to represent a percentage of EV production. But again, it's 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 going to be a whole mix. It's gonna, there's going to there's going to be solid state's batteries. There's going to be an MC and CA. There's going to be uh, LFP. There's going to be all those kind of chemistries and, and, and battery option uh, that are going to be available. But I think finally by the end of this decade, we're gonna have some production of solid states. We know that Volkswagen is looking uh, seriously through it with uh, QuantumScape, which um, which it, QuantumScape is being reasonable and its its timeline to production uh, towards the, the mid decade. Uh, solid Power is also making a lot of progress and is working with several automaker. I think BMW might be their main partner. I'm not so sure about that. Don't quote me on that. But they're also doing uh, great progress. And Toyota is also working on 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 that too. Uh, Toyota make it sound like they're waiting for solid states in order to uh, to go big on EVs, but I don't, I don't think there's a point in that.
1: All right, moving on. Question: Could Tesla be building a mid-range version Model Y in Texas to get more cars out with a limited battery supply?
0: Yeah, that's basically what we just discussed. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, mid-range. I don't like. Uh, uh we I don't remember the range we're talking about. Uh, When uh, we published earlier this week, so yeah, but it sounded maybe not exactly short range, but mid range. But of course, if you remember, there was the um, there was the um, model range rear wheel drive that was uh, released uh, last year. That short lived, really, and Elon didn't like the the range capacity of it. So yeah, it's two hundred and seventy nine. So yeah, I would say mid range. That that's that's more accurate than a standard range version, and it's also uh, dual motor. So. It's uh, it's gonna fit uh, it's gonna fit weird in the lineup, really.
1: Yeah. All right, uh, Seth, are you gonna try and fly the Pipistrel Velus they are testing in Florida? I didn't know about testing in Florida, but I so happen to be going to Florida next month, so maybe I'll I'll line something up. Is it a new one, the Velus? The Velus is kind of like the Alpha, um, but the Velus is the one that got um, European. Um, and it's Pipistrel, right? Yeah, Pipistrel. I like you know, that. It's the one. It's
0: the one that I knew about.
1: Okay. So they're both. They both kind of look like small Cessnas, high wing, whatever. Then they have another one that's kind of like a uh, glider. Um, but yeah, the Bellus would be sweet. I think they're trying to get it approved in the U.S. Uh, by the FAA. Um, and and getting bought by uh, Textron, which owns Cessna and Beach Beach. Craft is it called anyway? Uh, those that should help that along because yeah, you know, C- Cessna's got all kinds of uh, did they see the value of the acquisition from Pittsburgh? They didn't, and uh, I pinged them to ask and mm-hmm. I didn't get a response. So,
0: do you still is your uh, pilot license still valid? Would you be able it, to do an actual test flight? It?
1: It's valid, but I'm, I'm not up to date, so I would have to get a medical and I'd have uh. to take, I don't know, probably like. 10 hours of training with it. But anyway,
0: those, those are mainly used as tests as uh, educating, it's getting people on flight. So like to, so, so you would be with an instructor anyway on those. Yeah. Makes sense.
1: Yeah. He says it's at Florida tech. So I have to look up where that is and how far that is from uh, near Tampa, where we go. All right. Last question is a silly one. Will Putin ever respond to Elon's dual challenge? Yeah, that was a weird one for sure. Hopefully not, because it'll probably be an asymmetric uh, response. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and Elon will drink some radioactive fluid or uh, something.
0: When when he's like, I'm, I was, I'm defending a lot Elon on this on this Twitter, but this one I I truly don't understand because obviously he's he's he's, he has to be kidding because he doesn't like it was a dual challenge for the right to Ukraine. Neither of these people have the right to Ukraine, not Elon, not Putin. So Putin is trying very hard to have it through through a disgusting measure, which is a a full-scale invasion. Uh, Elon is uh, trying to play like white knight and shiny armor and like try to save them, I I guess. But obviously, obviously he has to be kidding. But then he's like, I'm super serious about this. And then when someone, some complete moron, by the way, did an analysis that Elon would uh, destroy Putin in 10 seconds because he's 10 years uh, young, 20, like 15 years younger and like a few inches taller. He would destroy him in 10 seconds and it would be Elon to do whatever he wants with him. He responded to that comment like exactly as if like yeah that, he's that confident that's what would happen which I mean I'm not I, I'm not the one to make a prediction on a fight that's never going to happen but I would point out that Putin is a legit, like, high level black belt judoka <laughs> uh, for for real. I mean, I know he's older and he's smaller than Elon, but I don't know if Elon has a lot of martial art background. <laughs> and and uh, I, uh, ju- judo is not the best martial art out there uh, in terms of practical, like, street fight. But it's it's still no joke, like, especially if they're clothed when when they fight. Uh a judoka, black belt judoka gets a hold of you with clothes on and you're you're flying. You're gonna fly to the mat. Uh hopefully there's a mat, because if it's on concrete, it's a real fight on concrete. You don't want to face a judoka, especially if you don't have a coat on or something.
1: Yeah, and also was- like if you're a Ukrainian, you're like, well, hey, we don't want to put our money, <laughs> our whole country on Elon. Like that's kind of insane. Yeah. And then if he's joking about it, which he is probably a little bit it's really not something you want to joke about. Like, no, Putin, Putin is a killer. Like, these people are dying in war, and it's not like some goofball thing. Uh, you know, so I don't know, it's just bad taste. Yeah. It's something that's becoming more common.
0: Yeah, a lot more common. Like, Elon, you know, Elon wants to get the SEC Twitter police out of his, uh, out of his tweet, but uh, I mean, he should, like, especially. He, now that he has such a giant following on this, like, you use that for good more than anything else because you use it to uh, do some stupid, stupid nonsense and to promote some people that are uh, like I like to say they are corrupting the feedback loop at Tesla, I think, which used to be one of Tesla's biggest advantage. Now it's not so much. And there was some some interesting thing about that this week where some people were posted like uh, FSD, like uh, some of the FSD beta testers that are more neutral on the technology that they're not like too optimistic. Uh I don't I don't remember which one it was. I'm sorry I forget his name right now. I want to say Cooks. I'm not I'm not so sure. But he, he posted like he posted this same uh video but with uh different uh headlines. One was like this is a super impressive technology and this is not impressive. Like the on the one of his test of the of the FSD and on Twitter like the impressive versus not impressive gets like 3 300,000 more hits <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm exaggerating of course but it gets way more uh, positive on its feedback because that's that's where it is on Twitter right now, unfortunately for Tesla. And Elon lives on it, so it's not. It's like life is not Twitter. Tesla community is not Twitter too either. All right, enough enough on that. With the show already went way longer than I uh, thought it would, but I had a lot more energy this week, so <laughs> I compensated for last week. Uh, all right, so if you're still listening right now, I appreciate you. Uh, Thank you for supporting Electrek. If you can give the video a thumbs up or a like or whatever you you do on your platform, because we are everywhere now, uh, please do it because it's free to do and it helps the show a lot more than you would think. Uh, If you're listening on audio only on your podcast app, you can leave us a quick five-star review that also is free to do and helps the podcast a lot. And we appreciate you for doing it. And we're going to see you same place, same time next week. Have a safe one. Bye-bye.